Today, we're continuing the theme of covenant, and today it was labeled the power of covenant. I'm actually going to tell you some stories. I might pull out the word a little bit later, but I'm going to tell you some stories of some things that I've experienced in my journey with God. And I want to talk about these stories all have a similar theme of surrender. As we've been looking at covenant and as we've explored covenant, I hope that you guys can see some running themes that are going on. And a massive theme that is involved when we talk about covenant is the word or the action of surrender. The Israelite people, when they were under the old covenants, they were a people that would surrender and they would agree with God and make a covenant with God and they would live out that covenant. And sometimes they would forget and they would turn away and they had this cyclical nature as a people of, of repenting and surrendering to God and, and making covenant and, and living with God and then turning away from God and rebelling and then sometimes being exiled and then eventually coming back around. But today I want to talk about some stories from my life and some of my experiences about surrendering and experiencing the power of covenant through surrender. And the reason why I want to tell you some stories this morning is because I, I want you to catch my heart. I want you to learn. Yes, I do want you to learn. But this morning, I want you to catch my heart and I want you to catch the experiences that I've had with God because I really believe that surrender is as an action or as something is better to be caught and not taught. I've found that when we look at surrender and when we look at what it means to surrender, it's really easy you know, to pull this out and to look at people and their experiences and be like, we should surrender. We should surrender. You know, it's not hard to do that. It's easy to say, I'm going to surrender my future to God and I'm going to surrender that to God. You know, so it's easy to teach on surrender, but it's hard to catch surrender. And it's going to cost me something this morning to share with you about some experiences and some, and some things that I've walked through in my life where I've had to surrender. Because surrender isn't some far off thing in the distance that we do, you know, once in our lives and, and then we're forever surrendered to God. But surrender is uh, something, it's a posture that requires something of us on, on a daily, if not hourly basis. You know, I love this quote um, from John Tyson. He's, um, he's one of my favorite uh, communicators or speakers right now. His quote says this, Obedience can happen in a moment, but surrender is the posture of a lifetime. Obedience can happen in a moment, but surrender is the posture of a lifetime. It's so important for us as covenant people of God to be people that live fully surrendered, fully yielded to his spirit. What does it mean to surrender? What does it mean to surrender? There, there are quite a number of different definitions. Obviously, we're all aware of, you know, in the movies and in, in a, if we're watching a war movie or something like that, and, you know, there's two armies fighting against each other and they're in the trenches and one army is starting to get on top of the other army and then, you know, they wave the white flag. Everyone knows that version of surrender, right? And then there's surrender that can mean that we lose something or have to give something up. But I found this definition as I was studying the word surrender this week. And it, and it says this, to give up completely into the power of another. Surrender has a really negative connotation in the world. You know, surrender is attached to weakness. It's attached to defeat. It's attached 
to someone being more superior or something being more superior to you. And I think that can, that can kind of make us feel a little bit oh, unsure about surrender. I know it does for me because it's counterintuitive to think that there's actually victory for us in surrender when the world says, you know, surrender's defeat, you lose when you surrender. Think about it again. Let's listen to this. To give up completely into the power of another. When we think about that definition of surrender and we look at it through the framework and the lens that we have as believers, when we're giving up ourselves completely into the power of another, we're giving up ourselves completely into Christ who has the victory. I want to break the box this morning that surrender is attached to defeat because for us as people of the covenant, as covenant people of God, surrender is only ever attached to victory. There is no defeat in our surrender. There is complete victory in our surrender. That's really, really important to understand. And the stories that I will share, they won't make sense and you won't understand the gravity or the weight of them unless you look through the lens that surrender leads us to complete victory in Christ, not defeat. Surrender leads us to complete victory in Christ and not defeat. The first story I'm going to tell, I'm going to get a little bit emotional this morning as well, by the way, just so you know, because as I said, the, I think there's incredible power in sharing stories and catching my heart for God in surrender, and hopefully it inspires you to desire to surrender more. I remember it was when I was over in America, and it was, it was the end of my second year in America. And I remember we were in school, and it was the final day of school. We've been in school now for nine and a half months this is our second year as well. So that we're, we're in a room with 900 other students who we've journeyed with, who we've done life with, who we've worshipped with, who we've cried with, who we've learnt with. You know, we have this long history together, this two-year intense everyday history. And I remember we were, we were in the main auditorium and we were, we were heading into a, a, a time of worship before we were going to have our final lecture as students of the second year in school. And I remember we got into worship and I I walked into worship pretty upset that day. I walked into worship feeling pretty down because of the fact that it was about to finish. Have you ever been in a moment in life or been doing something in life where you know it's coming to an end and you're, you're right in the middle of an end? And if it's been a good experience, you don't want to give up. You don't want to lose that in that moment. You know, if, if I can be completely honest, second year of school for me, it's probably to this point in my life, one of the most amazing years, if not the most amazing year I've ever had. If I could tell you all the reasons why it was so amazing, I would, but we don't have the time for it. But just hear me when I say it was one of the best years, if not the best year of my life. And so we came into school and we were in worship. And I remember being there before the Lord. And we're, we're singing songs and we're praising God and we're thanking him for the amazing year that we've had. And I remember I was so caught up in my desire to hold on to this good thing that I couldn't even thank God or let go of the fact that I didn't have control over it continuing. You know, I was so, so torn by the fact that I couldn't control this and make it continue on that it was ending, that it was over, that this season was coming to an end. 
to the point where I was so in, in my own head, I was so upset about the fact that I was, I was losing school. I was losing second year that I couldn't even thank God or worship God in that time and in that moment. And I remember we got to this song and the song is called Extravagant. And it's a song singing about the love of God and how extravagant it is. But you get to the point in the bridge of this song where it, where it turns and, and it's us singing to God and the lyrics are, here is all my love, it's yours, no conditions. When you pull me close, I won't resist you. And I remember in that moment, tears were just streaming down my face as I, as I began to actually engage with that song. And I remember in that moment, I was, I was kneeling before God. And he said to me in that moment, Nathan, you're surrendered to me right now. As you surrender to me right now, you won't lose this experience that you've had. But there is so much more for you to gain. The best is yet to come for you. And in an instant, in that moment, as I heard that truth, as God spoke that truth to me, I began to sing this song. I began to sing these lyrics like, God, here's my love, it's yours. Like, I'm not putting conditions on what you've done in this year. I'm giving you this year. I'm surrendering to you this year because you just deserve it. It's not for me. I can't be selfish and hold on to it. And I remember as I was just singing this song and, and we ended up in that moment singing those two lines for about another 45 minutes as a whole class, as we're just crying out to God, saying, God, we love you, we love you, we love you. There's no conditions on our love. We're not holding back our love to you. You deserve it all. And I remember it, it broke something in my mind, that moment, you know, because we don't always surrender bad things. We sometimes have to surrender good things as well. And I remember in that moment, just the peace that came over my soul as I choose to relinquish my control and I choose to give up completely into the power of God. I gave it up completely into the power of God and I experienced in that moment a level of surrender in my heart that I had not experienced yet until that point in time. We don't lose with God. It's not in his nature to let us down. Failure is not in God's nature. And so when we choose to give up completely of our minds, completely of our hearts to God, we won't experience defeat. We can only experience victory. It may be painful, but we can only experience victory. A couple of years ago, when we had come back from third year, the final year of school, as you all would know, I came back here to Australia and Lisa went back to the Netherlands. We were driving in our rental car to the airports and it was our last day in America. And it was one of those goodbyes where we're like, we don't know when we're going to see each other again. You know, we'd been dating, we'd been dating for two and a half, nearly three years. And at that point in time, we knew that this was it. Like we knew that was it. We knew that we were going to be together. 
we were just broke students who didn't have money to get engaged or anything like that. But we were saying goodbye to each other in that moment. And I won't forget, we were sitting in the car ride. We'd gone and gotten some food and I was taking Lisa to the airport and I was dropping her off and then I was going to drive to the next airport and catch a flight myself and fly back to Australia. And I remember in, in that 30-minute drive from the restaurant to the airport, it was, it was literally nearly the worst 30 minutes of my life because we had this impending reality that we weren't going to see each other for an extended period of time. And Lisa was going to be on the other side of the world from me. And there is significant time difference between Australia and the Netherlands. The reality of our situation sucked. Like it truly did suck. I don't know if anyone has done long distance in this room. I know you guys did long distance. When you're doing long distance and and when you don't know when it's going to finish, that was the hardest thing for me. I'm a bit of a visionary. I like to plan my future, you know, three, five, 10 years down the track. I like to have it somewhat mapped out or have some, at least some milestones, you know, of where we're going to head. And to, to be saying goodbye, to be driving in the car to this driving really slow, which I don't normally do, but I just want it to go longer because, you know, I was driving five, 10 Ks under the speed limit. And um, we got to the airport and um, it's literally just a drop off at a taxi rank. You know, and then we did six months of long distance on the other side of the world. And during that time, it was a daily, daily choice. Not a single moment would go by in a day where I didn't have an opportunity to choose surrender. You know, obedience can happen in a moment, but surrender is the posture of a lifetime. I truly, truly will say to you that during that time when when we were apart and she was on the other side of the world in the Netherlands and and I was here, I, I truly had to choose to posture my heart and surrender to God. You know, because I was in the position where I could make us being in the same country happen. Could have done it. But we knew we had a plan. We knew God had spoken to us. And we knew that God had something for our future. But that didn't involve Lisa coming straight here. And that didn't also involve me flying over there straight away and just getting rid of the difficult space between us. Surrender is a posture. It's a posture that we get to live throughout our lives. You know, in that time, it it seemed like defeat. I'm going to be real with you. There are some days where I'm like, screw this. Like, I'm going to buy some plane tickets and I'm going to leave like in two days and go see Lisa. You know, like there were genuine times where I, I was like so convinced that I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore, God. Like it felt like defeat. Surrender actually felt like defeat in those moments. It felt like we weren't winning. It felt like there was no victory. There was no end in sight. There was, there was no, this is what it's meant to be. It felt hard. And so I, I don't want to sugarcoat surrender this morning and say that, you know, when you surrender, you will always experience victory. Yes, you will always experience victory, but it may not always feel like it. It may not always feel like you have the victory in surrender. Because I promise you, in that time, I did not feel like I had the victory. But I had to choose 
to posture and choose to remember the truth. Choose to remember what God had said, what he had spoken, and choose to listen to that and to not listen to the feelings that would say, just end it and just go, go see her. But choose to trust in what God had said. Now, if we remember the Israelites, this was one thing that they sucked at. They weren't good at remembering. The reason why the Israelites over and over and over again experienced this cycle of repentance, surrender, disobedience, rebellion, exile, was because they forgot. They regularly forgot. Surrender isn't just a split-second decision. Because I can say, oh, I've surrendered. And then an hour later, I can have forgotten that decision and I can be doing something else that would say that I haven't actually surrendered. Surrender is a posture. And so the Israelites over and over and over again would forget. Over and over and over again, forget what God had done for them. They would, they, from generation to generation, I don't know if you've noticed this when you read the Psalms, but I, for me, one of the most powerful sentences that shows up time and time again is the Psalmist, whoever it may be, whether it was David or one of the other Psalmists, would regularly tell people to tell of what God has done from generation to generation. Not just sing praise to God, but tell of his works, tell of his majesty, tell of his power, tell of his deliverance. Let it be known from generation to generation to generation that this is who our God is. Over and over and over again, it shows up in the Psalms. We have to be active in our surrender. We have to be active in remembrance that God is who God says he is and that we are who he says we are. And if we choose to be active in our remembrance of those two things, that's reminding ourselves of our covenant with God, then we actually will be steadfast and endure in our surrender. And we will actually live out a surrender that lasts a lifetime, a surrender that is postured to, be, uh, to have longevity will take place if we choose to remember. And if we choose to to recall the covenant that we have with God. I've had this phrase running through my mind this week. And and to finish off, I'm just going to unpack it a little bit. Because I believe that there's something in it for us. The phrase is this. There's a difference between being a believer and a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a difference between being a believer and a disciple of Jesus. A believer is a person who believes in the truth or the existence of something. So the moment that we accept Christ into our hearts, we, we, we say, God, we're sorry for our sins. God, we ask that you would forgive us. God, we choose to accept you as our Lord and Savior. Da, 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 da. Like we've all prayed a prayer similar to that and chosen to give our hearts to the Lord. So we've chosen to call ourselves a believer, right? We, like that's, a, that's the status quo is established. A believer is a person who believes in the truth or the existence of something. A disciple is a person who believes in something 
and lives their life submitted and accordingly to that. A disciple is a believer in action. A disciple is someone who takes active steps to live according to that which they believe in. For us to be people that know power of our covenant with God, it can't just be something that we believe. It has to be something that we are active in. It has to be something that we choose to actively remember, choose to actively call, choose to actively live out. We are called to be disciples of Christ and not just believers. We all know that Jesus died for our sins. He died so that we could be set free. He died so that we could be called children of God. That isn't the destination. That's the beginning of our journeys with Christ, right? And so I think for us, for us as a collective community, to know the power of our covenant, we have to be a collective community of disciples and not just believers. Because there's a lot actually in being a disciple that I haven't even touched on today. But for me, I, I, I truly believe that God put it on my heart to talk about surrender and the aspect that, you know, you can believe in something, but not be surrendered to something. Like I believe that the Western Bulldogs are a really good football team and they could win the flag this year. Now, am I surrendered to them or have I given myself completely to support their team? Heck no. Not too late. <laughs> but I'm not surrendered to the Bulldogs. I haven't given myself to support the Bulldogs. I would love to because I think they're going to be successful. And I don't think Collingwood's going to be successful this year. But I believe that they have a good shot, right? But I'm not actually like given into the Bulldogs. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah, I agree with that. I am given into Collingwood. So I am given into Collingwood. Now, I don't believe that we have anywhere near as chances as the Bulldogs this year. Side note aside, but you get the idea of what I'm saying. You can truly believe in something and not be surrendered or not be given into it completely. If we truly believe that we are a covenant people of God, if we truly believe the words that are in this book, it's not just enough to believe it. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not just enough to believe the words in this book. You've got to be surrendered. You've got to be completely given into this book, completely given into his words, completely given into his truth, completely surrendered, postured in surrender. We are to be disciples, people who believe, but also people who live according to and submitted to that which we believe in. It's costly, and sometimes it's hard. But when we surrender, we have the victory. When we surrender, we have the victory because it's in Christ. It's in Christ Jesus and it's not off our own accord. And so to be people of covenant, to be a covenant people that 
that remember who God is, that, that know who God calls us to be. We have to be people that are surrendered. To experience the power of covenant, we have to be people that are surrendered. For us to experience heaven on earth and to experience revival and to experience a move of God and to experience the kingdom advancing and to experience um, people coming to know Christ and to experience um, people accepting Jesus and to see people healed and to see people set free. We have to be people that are first surrendered. We have to be disciples. We have to be disciples that are surrendered. 